Hi, and welcome to Northampton Bible Church's podcast. We are glad that you're here today. If you'd like to learn more about Northampton Bible Church, you can check us out at nbchurchcf.org. You can also interact with us on social media at nbchurchcf. And now, here's today's message. Uh, We are nearing the end. Let's start here. How are you guys doing today? (laughs) We'll start there. We went through seven days of prayer and fasting, some level of that, whatever you committed to, whatever you decided to do, and we met for seven nights in a row online, and uh, if you say, what are you talking about, you can always go to the website and see what we've done all week. We've got together at 8 o'clock, and uh, last night we talked about sitcoms in the process of talking about and praying and all those things, and this morning we talked how Ohio is definitely not part of the Midwest. I mean, that was good, Uh, or that was just me. Anyway, just me. But hopefully, we're the, we're the heartland, uh, but hopefully this week, uh, there was, God made an impact in your life in some way, and uh, the cool thing is, is that we don't have to just do this for seven days, that this is part of an ongoing habit that can be and should be part of your life as a Jesus follower, and so uh, we hope and pray that that will continue on, and I'm looking forward to stories. If there's, you say, man, there was this, this thing that God did or, or something I realized, because there's things that this week... Uh, new habits were begun in people's lives, and uh, an impact was made, and so that's, that's exciting to me, and that's really what it's, what it's about. So, we are going to be in John chapter 17 today, and if you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you're in the Bible app, you can go there. You can go to version. We're in the live uh, event there. Uh, there's all ways that you can get connected online or get into the Word, uh, but we're getting toward the end of, of the book of John. And I want to remind you, because we talked about this, can you believe it, Uh, it's been more than 18 weeks, this is week 18 of the Gospel of John, but then we had a break for Advent, so it's been a number of weeks since we started this. And we began with these verses that John talked about in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, uh, that Jesus said, uh, now Jesus, this is John writing, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of of the disciples, which are not written into the book, but this is the key verse that we want to key in on as we uh, travel through the book of John, is that these things are written, and there's this phrase, so that, there's a purpose statement there, that these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in his name. And so all that John is writing, all the things that he's laying out in this book, is really trying to encourage those early believers who are kind of getting off track. He's like, remember that this is what it's about. That we, that, that there's a, a Savior, and his name is Jesus. He is the Messiah, that he has come to save us from our sins. And that I'm writing these things so that you may believe that, and that by believing you may find life. I want you to know this morning that if you're exploring faith, if you're exploring what it means to follow Jesus, that this is a place that you can do that. Not only at Northampton, but to open up the book of John and and start reading. And you can go back 18 plus however many weeks of Advent, a number of weeks ago, and go back to week one and and begin that journey working through John as John is laying out for you that Jesus is the Christ, that he is the Son of God, and that you might find life in his name. And, And our hope is that this would be the case for you. And so we get to John chapter 17, and what begins to happen is there's a shift. That Jesus has been hanging out with his disciples, he washes their feet, and he starts in 14, 15, 16, telling them, hey, I'm about to leave. And if you were among the disciples, you might be like, Jesus, where are you going? Like, we don't understand. He's like, look, I'm going back to the Father. And it's good for you that I do because the Father will send, the Helper will send the Holy Spirit to be with you and in you. It's better that I leave. 
And then he gets to chapter 17, John gets to chapter 17, and there becomes, it's kind of like if you ever watched a movie, I, I'm, besides Tom, everybody else in this place has watched a movie, and as you get to this point in the movie, the mood begins to change, the music begins to change, it's kind of like, I don't know if, we, if we're ready for this or not, are we ready for that? Can we fire it? Okay, she's trying. I told you. Is it coming through? Like, this is underneath what's happening in, this, in the book of John. Not that the shark is going to come out and attack anybody, but it's this, it's this music that's leading to this crescendo. That this is like the beginning of the end, you know something's about to happen. Because he says, look, uh, you, one of you is going to betray me, that, that in the shadow of the cross, that they're, they're walking out of the place that they were in and, and going into this new space that he's about to go to the cross and give his life. And there's just music that just plays on our now, I'm not saying, you can, you can cut it. I, I'm not saying that, that it's the Jaws thing, but I'm saying that if, you were, if this were a movie, if, the, if we were watching the book of John, you could, you could feel the tension building, that things are building to this point. And the thing is that it's interesting is it's not, it's not just in the ministry of Jesus. Like, of course, in the, in the ministry of Jesus. But if you think about it, if you step back even bigger, you see that in the, in the course of time, that everything has been building to this moment. And this is huge. That what happened in the garden with, the sin, with sin and the fall, with Adam and Eve, and, and the Lord uh, basically saying, one day, one will come and make all things right. And that from that day, there's been this looking forward to through the prophets and, and through God himself talking to his people and leading his people, that they've been progressing to this point and this moment in time. That it's all building up to this. And just hours from the cross, hours before Jesus would give up his life, in John chapter 17, John tells us that Jesus prayed. <laughs> and this is known as the, the high priestly prayer. And I just want you to let, like, let that sink in, that, that Jesus knew what was about to come. Jesus knew what lay ahead. His disciples probably didn't quite get it because they never quite got it until afterwards. And in the shadow, figuratively speaking, of the cross, Jesus stops and he prays, and he prays for himself, and he says, Father, glorify me, and as you glorify me, you ultimately bring, bring glory to yourself. And then in the middle of John chapter 17, he prays for his disciples that they wouldn't fall away, that they would be protected from the evil one. And then he prays for you, and he prays for me. Those that have chosen to follow Jesus, those that have given their lives, surrendered their lives to Christ, he prays for you. And he doesn't pray for safety, and he doesn't pray for comfort. I mean, that's what we would tend to think. Like, you know, we pray those prayers, don't we? God, just keep them safe. God, just keep them comfortable. He prays for unity. For us. What's on his heart at that moment is unity. For us. You know, one of the things I was reminded this past week is, you know, this is kind of things we've been talking about a lot. As I've said before, you know, we shouldn't pray for safety, we shouldn't pray for safety, and I don't mean that we shouldn't pray for safety, but that shouldn't be the, the, the first and foremost, God, just keep us safe. What I've learned this week, and I know that we've talked about this before, but it, it came back so strong in my life. We were doing a podcast and somebody else said it, and I'm like, yes, that's what we've been trying to say, and that's what we've said. What it is is that we would be faithful. 
that may our prayer as Christ followers, may our prayer in the face of adversity, may the prayer in the face of our circumstances, as we follow Jesus, God, help us to remain faithful. Bigger than praying for safety, bigger than praying for comfort, because I don't know that God is so much, so much concerned about our comfort, about making us happy, as he is about making us holy. God, whatever happens, by your power, may I walk faithfully Give me the strength to stand. Give me the strength that if my world is falling apart around me, that I would remain faithful. That should be our heartbeat. As we think about our lives, we think about following Jesus in the face of the world that we face right now. May we abide in him. May we walk closely to him, rest in his power. That we would trust him because God is faithful in all things. And that we would trust him. And Jesus says to the Father, in essence, he's reminding us that the best way to walk out our faith is to walk in unity. This is a phrase that's probably obvious. And if any of you have a body, you know that this is true. How many of you have bodies? Most of you? Good. That's good. You should all raise your hand. Otherwise, we need to have a talk afterwards. But a body in disunity is a body in trouble. <laughs> Anybody ever have a part of their body not function like it's supposed to? <laughs> You're like, okay, what's, what's, let's go. Or you get up in the morning, you realize that you're over 40. You're like, oh, yeah, okay. But a body in disunity is a body in trouble. We understand that because we have bodies, but you understand that what, what we're finding in the church is that, that we, as followers of Jesus, the Bible tells us that we are the body. That Christ is the head, but we are the body. That we make up the body of Christ. And a body in disunity is a body in trouble. Because Jesus desires that we be unified. And we're going to talk a lot about today why that's important and the significance of that. And Jesus says that just as, Father, as you and I are one, and as I am in you and you are in me, may they be in me as I am in them, and, and that the he, they be in us. And there's a lot of words there, but that will make sense. But that we would follow Christ and we would be unified. I know that some of you would say that you've been a part of unhealthy churches. We, as a church, have been unhealthy in different seasons of our existence. And church would be great if it weren't for people. Amen? But that's the reality that we face, that there are seasons that we walk through, that we walk through that are very difficult and they're unhealthy, and, and God has a way of bringing unity to his church. If we're being honest, we never really appreciate those moments those times where we're, God is doing something and we're like, God, why are you doing Oh, it's because you have a bigger plan. It's because you have a bigger purpose because you're trying to unify us. Okay, I trust you. And it's not something that we would choose, but it's something that God would use in our lives and in the life of our church to make us who he wants us to be. And again, may we not pray for our church, God, just keep us safe and keep us comfortable. God, help us to remain faithful no matter what happens. Some of you have been hurt by church. Some of you have hurt people in the name of truth in the church. And it's not to look down on you. I'm saying that we, we're people and we struggle and we have different agendas at times and, and we struggle through this. And some of it is that, that you have people in church that maybe don't follow Jesus, but you think that they follow Jesus, but they're walking in disunity. And you're like, wait a minute, if we're not unified and we're, trying to be, and we're not even trying to be on the same page, maybe that says something about one of us. And again, it's not to call anybody out, but Jesus' heart and Paul's heart, as you read through the New Testament, is be unified. Walk in unity. It's so important because a body in disunity is a body that's in trouble. 
I'm thankful on this side of the difficulties and this side of the unhealthiness to be walking in a healthier place as a church and as people. And it's only by God's power. It's only by what God has done. That none of us in this place can take credit for where God has led us as a church, as a people, to the health that I believe that we are walking toward and even in that we weren't maybe a few years ago. And all the glory goes to God. Because I would never choose <laughs> to walk through all of that. I would never choose the things that, that some of us have been through. But God knows what he's doing. And God knows what he's doing in your life as well. And the fact is that disunity in the body needs to be dealt with swiftly, needs to be dealt with in love, and it needs to be intentional. That we shouldn't allow disunity to exist in the body. If we say that we're all followers of Jesus and we're not unified, there's a problem. And we need to deal with that problem. And in Matthew 18, if, we, if, if a brother has sinned against you, if you've got a problem, go, go figure it out. <laughs> go to them. Say, hey, this is the problem. But before that, you look at Matthew 7, and Jesus says to take the log out of your own eye so you can take the speck out of your friend's eye. Like, yes, we are allowed to be fruit inspectors, and we can look at each other's lives and say, wait, 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 you're out of line. But before I do that, I need to say, okay, God, is there anything in me that I need to take care of? Because I, I want to bring my brother back. I want to help my sister out. I want to invest in their lives. I want them to walk closely to you and help me to do whatever I can to make that happen. Because if we are walking in unity, you're going to find that we are going to send a message to the world that we will never be able to send any other way. And it's a message that we need to send as the body of Christ. Disunity is not God's plan for his church. And that's what Jesus prays for. If you're in Matthew, or not Matthew, we're going to be in John chapter 17 today. <laughs> but standing in, the, in the, the shadow of the cross, Jesus prays that we would abide in him, that we would walk in unity, and ultimately that we would be united with him once again. Look at verse 20. So now that coming up to verse 20, he prays for himself, he prays for his disciples, and then he prays verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us that they may they all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Do you hear what he's saying? That, that we would be unified with each other and that we would be walking in unity that only comes through the Holy Spirit working in our lives, and that we're in a right relationship with the Father through the Son, and that we would be with one voice and one mind walking together, and then Jesus says that they will believe that you've sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may even one, be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and love them even as you have loved me. I know that's a lot of words. We're going to break it down a little bit, but listen to what he's saying. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. O oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known, and that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. If you're not confused yet, I promise you we'll try to figure it all out. But we're going to talk about unity, and when Jesus is praying for unity, there's two big ideas that I believe that Jesus is praying for. One of them is unity in the body of Jesus. 
Not his physical body, but as I said a little bit ago, unity in the body that we, as followers of Jesus, who have surrendered our lives to Christ, who are trusting him as Savior and following him as Lord, that that we have been saved, that we have been born again, that we are born into a family, we are adopted into the family of God. The Bible says that we are the body, that Jesus is the head of that body, and our unity begins when we respond to the truth of the gospel. The gospel meaning the good news that when I, when I surrender my life to Jesus, when I receive that, when I repent of my sin and I receive Jesus as my Savior, that I'm born into this family, uh, that I'm, I'm born again, that I'm made new. And we must walk in unity. I mean, if you think about if your left foot decided to start walking left and your right foot decided to start running right, enough said, Right? And we're told all these things in Scripture, that he is in charge, that, that Jesus is in charge of the body because he is the head of the body, and we as the body are given certain spiritual gifts. We have a certain heart. We have certain abilities. We have a certain personality. We have certain experiences that make us unique in the body. And in all of that uniqueness and all of that God has created us, that we come together as one body. And for the church to be successful, for us to be successful as the church, not, not the church like, hey, Northampton, which we want to be successful in the sense that, that we want to love God, we want to love people, and we want to make disciples, that we want to make that happen. But for us to be healthy in the body, we need to be gracious with each other. And I don't say all these things today because, hey, by the way, uh, you're not and you're not. I'm saying that I think we are in such a better place than we've ever been I've been here since 2011, and then in this position since 2014. Can you believe it? Like seven years in this position, which seems like only yesterday, sometimes in a long time, other times. But we are in a very healthy place and thankful because that's what God is doing in our lives and in our midst. But God calls us to be gracious to one another, to have grace with each other. Because the reality is, is we're going to not see eye to eye at times, and we're not going to agree, and you're going to offend me, and I'm going to offend you, and, and there's times where we need to get that right, and we need to ask for forgiveness, and there's other times where I just need to say, you know what, I'm just being too sensitive. <laughs> like, it's, it's okay. Like, I, I've offended, but really, I'm offended because of me, and, and I, I'm just, here's more grace upon grace, because God has given me so much grace. If we understood how gracious God has been to us, we would overflow with grace to others. We as a body would be forgiving of each other, that we would be quick to forgive. We don't have to take vengeance. God, help me to forgive them. I forgive you. We must all do what we can in the power of God in our lives to make peace with all people because this is a very clear reality that unity in the body isn't about me, it's about we. That I can't say to, to my index finger, you're so much better than my pinky. <laughs> I mean, you're taller, <laughs> you're cuter. <laughs> like, no, that all these parts of our bodies are, are important. And no one is greater than the other, and even those that seem less really are greater than the others. But unity in the body is a, not about me, it's about we. We need to care for each other. We need to be gracious with one another. We need to be forgiving of each other. We need to love each other. It's about walking out the one another's and encouraging each other, bearing each other's burdens, forgiving each other, and it only happens in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so what's this look like? This is kind of like sub-points under that first one about uh, walking in unity as the body. We need to walk in unity of belief. 
So we're trying to break down. When Jesus says that may they, may they be unified, may we be unified, this is the, the sense, and I believe that what he's saying is that we would be unified as the body. And when we talk about being unified as the body, what we mean is that we're unified in belief with one another. That what we find is that this is we're not believing in some truth or my truth or your truth. We're believing in the truth. And we don't come together on the lowest common denominator. Like, what's the lowest thing we can find out that we can agree on, believe, and we'll go there. But the bar has been set in the word of God, and we say, this is our standard. This is not some outdated, archaic book. Let me tell you. Because this is the word of God that that God has orchestrated this to get to us in this time. Over thousands of years, over many continents, over many writers, there's a unified voice and a unified message that can't be explained any other way. The word of God is our standard. The word of God is our guide. We, as followers of Jesus, need to die on these hills. And the problem is, is we don't die on these hills. (laughs) Because, I think, we have allowed what it means to follow Jesus, become Americanized. (laughs) There's certain things as an American that I have rights to. Well, Jesus says that you should be the least. (laughs) Jesus says that you should humble yourself. Jesus says that my kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Whatever you think it ought to be, let me tell you the way it is. I want you to know that if if you're searching, I want you to know that you're welcome here. I want you to know that, that this is a place where you can explore faith. We want you here. And in light of that, there are going to be different viewpoints. There's going to be people that come in and say, I don't, I don't believe what you just said. I want you to know you're still allowed to come back. <laughs> you're still allowed to be a part of it. Because I want you to find the truth of God's word. The fact is that there's going to be different viewpoints. You're saying, yeah, I don't believe that about salvation. I don't believe that about God. But I'm saying all this to say that what we preach and what we teach and what we live by God's power is the truth of the word of God. Well, we, I don't get it right all the time, okay? But it is my heart and my aim by the spirit of God living in me and living in you as followers of Jesus that we'd say, God, change me, transform me, make me more like Jesus. That this is our standard. This is our guide. I, I want to share this with you because this is important. We discussed this, uh, I don't even know when, it's been a long time ago. But whatever you paid to come here today, this is worth the price of admission. I guarantee it. It's not in your notes. That's why it's even better. But as you think about our, the things that we, we go through in our lives, the decisions that need to be made, we talked about uh, navigating through the gray areas in our life a number of months ago. Uh, this is the important part of that that I want you to see because in our lives what we have, I'm going to move this chair. I'm going to trip over it eventually. Uh, we have biblical commands. Like, if you think about what we're, where we're coming from, where I'm coming from, as we teach, as we preach, as we live, that we look at the Word of God, and there are clear biblical commands. You can't read this probably very well, but it says there are, there are imperatives in Scripture. There are very clear, thou shalt not, thou shalt. And the things that say that this is black and white, this is important, this is the things that you ought to do in the power of God, that you follow these commands. As we move down the list, things become grayer. As we move down the list, uh, grace, more and more grace needs to be given to each other. And that will make sense as we start to add them. And so we have biblical commands and then we have biblical principles. Again, they're based on the Bible. Biblical commands are implications of Scripture. 
It may not be a clear thou shalt not, but because Scripture says this, that, that, that there's maybe my freedom in Christ and what that looks like and how I, I walk this out in God's power. Uh, maybe mode of baptism, you know, well, you should, you should do this or you should do this. Or those kinds of things are, are implications in Scripture that we need to, that we ought to understand that we need to begin to add grace. Because someone may look at that same passage and say, but I understand it this way, but we need to walk in grace in that. This is important. If it's clear, the main things are the plain things, or the plain things are the main things, or one of those versions, that's the, that this is important, this is still important, but again, begin to add grace to your relationships. Begin to add grace to each other. Maybe how you serve, maybe how you worship. Those kind of things that, that we look at, principles. And then we get, the, we'll put a line up here in a minute, but then we break through to personal convictions, imperatives of conscience. Again, think about your life. There are certain things, a certain standard that you live by. If you're a Christ follower, this is the order that things should go. Does God say that I shouldn't do it? Uh, he says I shouldn't do it. Well, then I shouldn't do it. Because I want to glorify God with my life. Not because, like, oh, he's not going to love me. Look, God loves you. God wants you to, to look more and more like Jesus. He wants to transform your life as you surrender to him more. And so the, if, we, if we walk in line with God's word, Jesus says that if you love me, you'll do what I say. But we have personal convictions, and this phrase here is that we do all things for the glory of God, that are based on these clear statements, applicable statements, that's for biblical principles, based on the biblical truths and understanding of my world. Let me say it this way, because I said a bunch of words that probably, phrase that makes this make sense is you might say, for me, it's sin. Does that help make it sense? Because what I was saying earlier didn't make any sense. That it's, it's not maybe sinful in the sense that if you do it, it's sin, but, but for me, that if, if, I'm a, if I'm a recovering alcoholic and I take a drink, like that's going to lead me down a path I shouldn't go. You may be able to have a glass of wine and there's, there's no issue. If I even look at it, like if I'm recovering, I'm like, that's going to be a problem. And so there's these personal convictions that aren't biblical commands or biblical principles, but for me, I'm going to stay away from that because it's going to lead me down a path that I don't want to go. But again, more grace. Somebody might say to you, how dare you do that? Do you remember Paul? Was, I don't know if you remember this. I think it was Romans 8 where Paul was having this debate with people talking about that people were uh, bothered and, and upset that they were eating food sacrificed to idols. And Paul was saying, look, it's, it's, it, we're okay. And, and people were like, no, 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 you don't understand from my background. And, and I get, it looks like pagan all over the place. And, and you're causing me to sin. And Paul says, I will never eat meat again if, if it means to not cause you to sin. How many of us are willing to do that for each other, to say, okay, I, I will never do that if that's going to lead you to cause you to sin? Remember, it's not about me, it's about we. Personal convictions. For me, it's sin. These are imperatives of conscience. The last one is we got personal preferences. And this is that I choose not to. It may be the clothes that you wear. It may be the shows that you watch. And, and again, there's, again, it's gray areas. There might be some shows that's like, yeah, are you sure you want to watch that show? Uh, but there may be things that, that you, you understand what I'm saying, the music that you listen to. I, just, I choose not to do that. It's not sinful. It's not, it's not an issue. It's just, I, that's just my choice. And here's that line, because this is, this is the important stuff. This is the hills that we need to die on, and, and even less here for sure, a little bit less here, and then these... The problem that we have in our society, in our culture, and even in churches is that we don't work this way down, we work this way up. And that's a problem. 
That's where Pharisees come in. That's where judgmental people come in that, uh, no, that's, I, I, you shouldn't do that. Well, well, I don't, because I said so. Because I think it's wrong. Well, what's God say? He doesn't say anything, or he's very clear that it's not wrong. But I think it's wrong. Okay, I understand. May, be, may we, by God's power, die on these hills and have grace with these. As the church, we walk in unity of belief that we look at the word of God, and if God clearly says it, that we need to do it by God's power in our lives. And everything else that flows down through here, may we have grace. You might say, uh, you know, we, we had a number of years ago, we had a project that we said, hey, stick after church, and we're going we're gonna to have church, and then we're going to have lunch, and we're going to do this project together. And there were people that say, that's wrong. It's the Sabbath. It's the Lord's Day. You shouldn't do that. And I appreciated the position, but I also understand that Paul says that not one day is not better than another. Uh, if you can take a Sabbath, and we should because Jesus, I mean, God ultimately gave us the example of, of having a Sabbath in our lives where you kind of just unplug and, and but maybe Sunday's not my Sabbath. <laughs> and really, if you look at it, Saturday is technically the Sabbath, and we got it, you understand. The problem is, is that it got flipped on its head and said, wait, 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 you're doing the wrong thing based on my personal convictions and how I understand Scripture, but it's my personal convictions instead of saying, oh, no, I get it, I get it, I'm just not going to be a part of it uh, because that's where, where I'm really convicted, and for me it would be sinful to do, but I understand. May we major on the things that are major and we walk in unity of belief based on the Word of God and not based on my truth, <laughs> your truth but God's truth in our lives. Does that make sense? Good. I tell by your silence you're just in awe of that. Right? Met, yes, take it all in. Because the reality is that the truth of the word of God is what unites us. The truth that Jesus is unites us. The understanding of Scripture, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The understanding that, is, that my salvation, my forgiveness, is through faith alone, by grace alone, in Christ, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We don't say those things because we have nothing better to say. We say those things because that's how we understand Scripture, what we understand Scripture to say. And we stand on those truths. We don't stand on our preferences. There's certain things that we do based on convictions and based on preferences, but we have to understand that those, where they rank. We don't, we don't make our church about these things, at least I hope, and there, maybe there's things like, wait, wait, what you do? Look right here. I'm like, okay, then we need to change it. But when we talk about loving God, <laughs> loving people, making disciples, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, that's really our heart and our heartbeat that we want you to know God. We want you to have a relationship with God through Jesus. We want you to love him with all that you are by God's power in you. We want you to love people, not just people that you like, not just people that are in this room, but that you would genuinely love people. In the process, you would make disciples, that you would be a disciple who makes disciples, that that's our heart for you, and that we'd be unified in that belief. Second part of that is we need to be unified in diversity. We're all different. I saw a shirt one time that says you're unique just like everybody else. That didn't go over very well. Uh, God doesn't make identical twins. He doesn't make robots. He, he doesn't, like, clone you. That you are you. You have a personality. I tell bad jokes that go flat. I mean, that's, just, that's part of my giftedness. 
You have certain gifts gifts that, that I don't have, and I have certain gifts that you don't have, that we're uniquely created, and we're uniquely created to do the things that God has called us to do. Ephesians 2.10, Paul says, For we are his workmanship, we are his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for your life, and you need to walk in that. I, I want you to hear today, because some of you maybe need to hear this, that that you, and somebody in your life may have told you this jokingly, and maybe acted like they were joking, but they really weren't, and you're like, I don't know if you're joking or not, but somebody in your life may have, have told you that you're an accident. Somebody in your life may have uh, caused you to feel hopeless or to feel lost. Uh, maybe you're searching for a reason to move on. Maybe you're struggling right now because you go back to those. Words stick with us, don't they? Like, I think of things that people have said to me in my life, things from like 40 years ago that still stick with me, kids being bullying to me. I, I, I remember, this, this is not in my notes. This is, again, this is free for all here. I was being a jerk one day. I know, surprise. And I was walking down the street, and there was this girl that was new to our neighborhood. And I was like, I don't know, 13, 14? Like, I was grown, man. I was... And we're like yelling back and forth. And I, and I wasn't like being nasty, but I'm sure I wasn't being nice. I was not being a good person at that moment. Out of nowhere, like, so we're talking, walking down the street, like, you're whatever, and yeah, you're, I get punched in the side of the head, and I go down in a heap. <laughs> and I remember that, like, I remember getting back, and we became really good friends, by the way. I mean, we never dated or anything, but we became good friends. And I remember going down in a heap, and then just crying, and going home, and like, my mom and dad both worked, and I'm like, oh, this guy, but... That was like 30-something years ago, and I remember that. I remember people calling me names, that our words matter. And for some of you, you have lived lives of hopelessness and helplessness because of something that somebody said or maybe something, some way that somebody has treated you that you feel like junk because you've been told that you're junk. I want you to know this morning, I want you to know for real that you are unique you are skillfully created, you are immensely loved, and you are a sought-after masterpiece of God. And you may not believe that, but I'm telling you that that's what the Word of God tells us. And again, I need to go back up to the truth of the Word of God and say, well, God, if that's what you think of me, because somebody in your life may have treated you a certain way that caused you to think a certain thing. And I want you to remember this, that hurt people hurt people. I've had to remember that in my life. Because there have been people in my life in places of authority that have hurt me. And as you grow, you realize, well, they were probably pretty hurt themselves. It doesn't excuse it. It doesn't say, oh, that's okay. But it begins to help you to understand and even have mercy and even have a forgiveness and even be able to look at them a different way that, you know, they were hurt in their life. And that's coming out in, in, in how they treated you. You're not an oops. You're not an afterthought. You're not junk. God doesn't make junk. You're his masterpiece. And some of you need to be reminded of that today. But back to what we're talking about. Unity does not mean uniformity. That when God changes your life, when you are born again by the Spirit, when you surrender your life, when you repent of your sin, that you become a child of the King. And the cool thing that God does is he doesn't say, oh, you're now one of mine. I need you to look a certain way. I need you to dress a certain way. I need you to... There was an era of church life 
And some of you grew up through that. You got to have your hair a certain way. You couldn't have certain face. Like you had to look like a Christian. (laughs) But what God does is he leverages your life for the kingdom. I don't think Jesus says, hey, follow me, look like me, do exactly what I do. Don't be you, be me. God leverages who you are. Like I think about the Apostle Paul. If you go back to Acts chapter 9, like right before that, he's like speaking out threats to the church. He's putting people in prison. He's trying to, to just, he was so zealous to, to ruin the church and kill these people off. And then God breaks through in his life. Jesus is like, why are you persecuting me? And he changes his life. And, and what Paul took that zealousness that he had to demolish the church and destroy the church. And he built the church and he wrote much of the New Testament. And, and the life was changed that the message of the gospel, no doubt, came to you as a result of Paul and God using him. And I want you to know that you're not going to be me, and I'm not going to be you, and that's a good thing. Because some of you are ears, and some of you are toes, and some of you are fingers, and you're all different parts of the body, but all those parts come together to make what we call the body of Christ. Don't be ashamed. As a disciple, we make disciples. We don't make clones. You don't have to, like, well, Joe says it that way, so I, Joe's, no, be you. Let, Let Jesus transform your life. And leverage who you are and your personality and your experiences and your abilities and your heart and your giftedness for his glory. As we think about this for diversity, I didn't make this up. This goes back, I'm sure, more than a couple years. And this kind of sums up the whole grappling with the gray, navigating with the gray, through the gray, that in essentials, in the important things, in the big things, may we have unity as a church, as believers. In non-essentials, may we have, understand that we have liberty. That when it's not a clear, it's kind of in the gray, and you have liberty. to You're free in Christ. But don't use your freedom to sin. <laughs> Understand that you are free. But in all things, we would have charity. In all things, we would love each other. We would be gracious with each other. The last part of that, I know we're zooming through time, but we need to have unity in relationship. When we trust Christ, when we, by faith, we repent of our sin, we are born again, we're children of the king. This, this part about adoption is cool. <laughs> that we see Paul say that we are adopted into the family of God, and what that means is you are not part of the family, that you are an enemy of God. Paul tells us that very clearly, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But that when I trust Christ as my Savior, when I, when I follow him as Lord, that, that I am adopted into his family and given all the rights of a son, given all the rights of a daughter. He doesn't say, okay, you're part of the family now, you got to earn it. (laughs) He's like, welcome home. All that is mine is yours. All these rights as a son, as a daughter are yours. And it's so important that we understand that. And for the sake of Christ and for the sake of his kingdom, in relationship with each other, in relationship with God, may we, and I know I've said it already, but I want to say it again, may we forgive liberally. May we overlook an offense. May we be gracious with one another. May we bear burdens and serve one another and love each other and be passionate about unity because Jesus, in the face of the cross, Jesus, in the face of going to his death, prayed on our behalf that we would be one. I think that's a pretty big deal. Check out Philippians chapter two. We don't have time to look at it, but read verses one through five. You can write that down. That really should be our heartbeat 
Paul says that we should do everything to walk in unity, to have the same mind, to really look like Jesus. And so we should be unity of, of the body of Christ. The last thing is that we should have unity of mission. As believers for whom Jesus died and prayed for and gave all for, may we, by his power, love him, love God, love people, and make disciples. The reality is that as we walk in unity as believers, it shouts the gospel to a world that needs to hear it. Do you ever think about that? In the world that we live in, you know what our lives already shout at times when you look at social media and people will say, if you say, hey, what do you think about, about people that go to church? I'll, they'll tell you. And it's never like, and they love people, and they're the most gracious people. They're like, no, they're the most hateful people, the most judgmental people. I think at times we have painted a picture to a culture that needs to hear about Jesus. We've painted the total opposite picture of Jesus. That I think we feel that maybe we need to try to change somebody as opposed to letting God change us and being an impact in the world. Our unity is a powerful testimony that when we are united as the body, when we are united on mission, uh, it will change the world. And I don't mean that all of a sudden we're united and everything is great and, and like we're now, like, as a nation, we're a, but we can make a difference right where God has us. You can make a difference right where God has you as you walk in unity. This is a powerful quote, but it's true, I think. That divisions in the church breed atheism in the world. A unified church with a unified mission reveals a powerful, life-changing truth, truths to the world. They look at your life and they say, wow, you guys, you guys really love each other? Wait, 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 you love me? <laughs> you know what I've done and, and you still want to, you still want to, like, if you look at the life of Jesus People flocked to Jesus, not because necessarily, oh, he heals. I mean, that was, that was a big deal. But people were coming to Jesus, like, what you're saying, there's, there's something different about who you are. And as we are transformed by Jesus in our lives, our lives should look different. May we be known by our love. May we be liberal and loving people. <laughs> Because the reality is, your judgment of someone, you can't, you shouldn't, I shouldn't, we better not expect people who don't follow Jesus to look like they follow Jesus before they follow Jesus. But that's what we do in our lives. What we do is we hold out this standard, and if I'm being honest, and if you're being honest, that we ourselves don't follow very well, and we hold it up to them and say, you've got problems. <laughs> when really, I should be judging myself and saying, God, change me. Make me more like Jesus. Change my heart. Help me to love the unlovable. Help me to love the outcasts. Help me to love those that hate me. Help me to pray for those that persecute me. That's what Jesus would do. In Philippians chapter 2, if you read 5 and going through verse 11, that's what the, Paul says, that he humbled himself and he became obedient to, to death, even death on the cross. Jesus is our model, but we don't have to say, okay, today I'm going to try to be like Jesus. You know what it is? It's getting down on your knees and saying, God, if I'm going to look more like Jesus, it's because I'm surrendering more of my life to you, and you're changing me from the inside out. Because if I'm being honest, I don't really like that person. <laughs> if I'm being honest, I don't like this situation. I don't like that political party. I don't like that, that establishment. It doesn't matter. God, change my heart. 
It really comes back to God changing our hearts and helping us to be an impact in the world by his power. Do people know where you stand minus all your memes on social media and your comments in the comments? Do they see a love for God? Do they see a love for people? Do they see a heart to make disciples? Heaven is going to look a lot different than Northampton. (laughs) Amen. Yet, heaven can really be embodied in this place as we walk in unity, as we love God, as we love each other. That we can have a taste. This can be like West Virginia, which is in the South, I learned today. (laughs) Almost heaven. (laughs) West Virginia. But it's all by God's power that we are saved. It's all by God's power that we walk this out. May we be committed to doing that. Jesus prays for unity for us as the body. He prays for the fact that we are on mission together to make disciples who make disciples. And a lot of that is shouted to a world when we're willing to surrender to each other and to, in those relationships really to, to be humble to each other and surrender to the Lord. And Jesus finishes his prayer with the hope of being united with him when this life is over. Verse 24, I'll just read it. It says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. And there's a lot of in me's and in understand what Jesus is saying through all of this is that, Father, just as, is, as you and I as the Holy Spirit as the Trinity that we understand in Scripture, that God is one, manifest in three persons. If you haven't heard that, go back to week two, I think, of, of what we talked about. We talked about the Trinity even more. It's a very difficult concept to understand. But to understand that what Jesus is saying as God the Son to God the Father, that just as we are united and just as the Spirit is united, that we are all one, May they be one. May I be in them and they in me just as you are in me and I'm in you. That we can experience that oneness with the Father through the Son, empowered by the Spirit. And what Jesus is saying here is that one day we will be together, we will be united with him. That when you breathe your last breath here, when you close your eyes in time, you open them in eternity it will be a new day. And there's really only one way for that to happen, and we've said it all through. I've said it all through this morning, is that you trust Christ for the forgiveness of your sin, that you repent of that sin, that you surrender your life to him, that you trust him as Savior and you follow him as Lord. So my hope is that you make that decision at some point as God leads you, not because you feel guilty or like, oh, I better do that, no, no, I want it, we want it to be a movement of God where you say it's no doubt that God changed my life, that I understand the message of the gospel. That you'd be intentional, that you'd be passionate about unity as followers of Jesus, because if you follow Jesus, we are the body. And we need to be passionate about unity, fierce about unity in the body. And that we would have a Philippians 2 attitude that we didn't have time to read today, but that we should have the attitude of Christ who humbled himself, who emptied himself and became a servant, that God would do that for us as a model that we should do that for each other. 
So maybe walk in unity together. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. Hopefully that makes sense. And I just pray that God would use these things in our lives to help make us a church that we ought to be and believers that we ought to be together.